When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Larry Johnson and Morning are swinging on the baseline, and Morning right now is being held by Jeff Van Gundy. Van Gundy holding on to his foot, and this is amazing. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. To save his life, call his wife in. Nothing to say, but what a day. How's your boy been? Nothing to do, it's up to you. I've got nothing to say, but it's okay. Good morning. Good morning. 406 on the fan. McMonagle here with you. One more hour, 877-337-6666. Warm-up show will come your way then. Talking a little baseball, the Texas Rangers are World Series champs. What about building their team the way hopefully the Yankees and Mets will go about building their team? Putting money, investing money in big-time players, developing a farm system and trusting those young players and having a great manager. Do the Yankees have a great manager? No, not a great manager. A good enough one, in my opinion. I know most of you disagree. That's for another day. But the uh, Texas Rangers are World Series champs. We're talking a lot about this football game, and me and Marco were just talking about it. We'll get a little bit into the Jets as we get further down the week. Remember, we do have the extra day as they play on Monday against the Chargers. And while it's a more important game for this season, and we'll spend probably more time on it as we go through uh, football Friday and, and then obviously Monday, where would you be more, you know, as a fan? We've talked a little bit about the Grom and the Met fans and Scherzer and the Met fans and all the Yankees that are now World Series champions with the Texas Rangers and how it makes you feel as a fan. And I've talked about how I want to see this giant team perform well. And I want to see them, especially now, after the deadline, they decided to keep Saquon Barkley, which means they better, at least for the next year, franchise tag him and have him part of this team at least for next year. I can't imagine him getting a contract, but that's, I guess, on the table now that he's not been traded because you don't let him go. So he's going to be with the team next year one way or another. And you got Daniel Jones making $40 million. You committed to him to somewhat long-term, and the NFL is always ways out of contracts uh, eventually. But he's making big money. He's the franchise quarterback. Saquon Barkley's here. The offensive line's been playing better. And despite the fact the season's now over at 2-6, and six, in my estimation, I think in most estimations, I still want to see this team play well. It's important to me that I can move forward trusting that $40 million a year isn't wasted on this quarterback, that the idea they're going to franchise this running back and didn't get any picks for him wasn't a horrendous decision. And the idea that this coach and this coaching staff and this you know group leading this giant team is still what I thought it could be at the end of last year. It's important me to see that. All right, a miserable first half of the season. You lost, uh, you you know, the Jets might have made it through the gauntlet of quarterbacks, as Coach Sal likes to say. The Giants did not make it through the gauntlet that was the first half of their schedule. And here we are, 2-6, and six, the team's an absolute failure, and they're about to take on a team that's going to be starting a rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell. It's going to be having a first-time head coach, uh, in interim, Antonio um, Antonio Pierce, lost my mind there for a second, 
who's a former giant linebacker who's won a World Series, uh, won a World Series, won a Super Bowl championship with our New York Giants and one of the great Super Bowl titles and Super Bowl runs and playoff runs that this city's ever seen. But still, one had a great press conference, but he's a linebacking coach who suddenly thrusted into a position inside a fledgling franchise, inside a group that hasn't won a playoff game since 2002, has only been to two playoff games since then, is just an out-and-out disaster of a franchise and has been so for about 20-plus years. This is a game the Giants need to go win. But having said that, and looking at the schedule and seeing how many other games I'll feel exactly the same about, how I'll feel exactly the same about going into play Washington, how I'll feel as they're about to break things down, I'm sure, as the same as I'll feel about welcoming in the New England Patriots and welcoming in the Green Bay Packers and going on the road to the Saints and welcoming in the Rams, and I'll feel like the Giants should win all those games. And I think they're important to win. I don't want to tank, but at the same time, how frustrating is it going to be when they win all those games and come up just short, and now you're in the worst place you can be, right? Good enough to not be at the top of the draft and bad enough to not be in the postseason. Right in the middle. Right in limbo. Right in purgatory. And ultimately, I suppose I'd rather be there because I want to see – I I know what this – I, I want to see the, this team to come to fruition. I want to see the idea of what I was sold and what my belief was heading into this season and why I had faith in this team is still worthy of having having faith in. At the same time, it's just going to piss us off when we harken back to the idea they couldn't get a touchdown on fourth and, and, and one on an untimed down against... Uh, the the Buffalo Bills, or how they couldn't figure out a way to win a game up three with 24 seconds left against the lousy Jets. Like, those two games are going to haunt us, even if they do what I hope they do and turn this season around and start playing better and showing me that this offense does have a pulse and that I should believe in, in Kafka and Wink Martindale and obviously in uh, Brian Dable and Joe Shane. Like, I want to believe in that. I don't want to feel like... This franchise is just headed for another disaster and top of the draft picking and just being a, back to being a fledgling franchise where next year I'll have no faith in and how do we get out from the co- the quarterback's contract and uh, do we even bring back Saquon Barkley and this guy stinks and that guy stinks. Like I don't want to have those conversations, but at the same time I certainly don't want to be sitting around lamenting and crying in my dirty martini that man, oh man, if they could have figured out how to score a touchdown, if that ball would have just, if they would, if they would have called that holding penalty against against Waller, and he could have figured out a way to catch that ball, if they could have only figured out a way to freaking hit a field goal or go for it and make the play or whatever the scenario was against the Jets, and they'd be four and four right now, and all those wins would be meaningful. Instead, they're not. For this year, instead, it's about the future of this team and what I expect from them, and whether or not the quarterback's worth forty million dollars. And what do you do with a running back year seven of his NFL career who's already had an ACL injury, who misses every three weeks? You write it down like clockwork every single year for a, a sprained ankle. Like it's just, it's going to be absolutely frustrating, one way or the other. They're either going to be the worst team in football the rest of the year, and at least you have the draft to look forward to. Or they're going to be a better football team and we'll have Sundays to look forward to. But ultimately, it won't be enough for this year. Either way, either way, I feel like I'm getting screwed. And that's how you feel when you're a Giant fan. And that's I know Jet fans are laughing at that comment. 
I understand. But that's what it's been like. It's been a, it's been long enough now. I know they have two championships in recent memory. I know. And four Super Bowls overall. I know. I understand. Who are we to complain? I get it. But it's been long enough now where it just feels like no matter what happens with the Giants, it's either setting you it's either failure or setting you up for failure. I'm tired of it. Really tired of it. And speaking about them, how about the Knicks? Speaking about failure. As the Knicks lose the second half of a home-and-home against the Cleveland Cavaliers, they win on the road the other day. They lose yesterday at home in the Garden. They still haven't won a game in the Garden. They lose 95-89, and Julius Randle absolutely stinks to start the year. I mean, that's, that's that's really the problem, right? And it's the problem. I know Charles Barkley had some things to say about the Knicks and going out and get Carl Anthony Towns and what the Knicks are capable of. We know what the Knicks are capable of. The Knicks are capable of, capable of being a decent team, a playoff team, and maybe winning a round or so, but there are limitations. We understand that. But it's frustrating when one of the best pieces of your team is the limitation. I mean, that's what it feels like watching this Knicks team and watching Julius Randle. Now, we know, I mean, hopefully this is not a continuation of what he's been as a Nick up, down, up, down. Because this year would be due for a downturn. And to start the year, he's been lost. And some of the effort, you could go back and watch some of the plays. His effort level in this game was embarrassing. And he's been miserable from the field. Miserable from the free throw line. Miserable from the field. He's just been terrible to start this season. Just absolutely atrocious. And I'm pulling up the box score now. He was, uh, he, he was just terrible in this game. 0 for 6 from 3-point line. Nobody shot well in this game from 3. Even Chenzo was 3 for 7. That's it. They shot 5 for 30 from 3-point. 5 for 30, 16.7%. They couldn't hit a shot, especially early on. It was just atrocious. But Randall's 3 for 15 from the field. 3 for 15, he scored 6 points. He has been brutal to start this season. Just absolutely brutal. He's been careless with the basketball. He's shown no effort. He shot the ball terribly. It's just he he's been absolutely atrocious. And and you know, Brunson has been better the last handful of games. He was terrible in this game as well. I know he scored 24 points and he had his moments there, a couple of back-to-back, you know, uh and ones there, but ultimately 8 for 23 from the field, 0 for 2 from three-point line. Julius Randle didn't even shoot a free throw in this game. He's a negative four in the game. The entire starting rotation is negative. The entire starting five is is minus in the plus-minus category. The entire starting five. The only plus on the entire team was DiVincenzo at plus one. They played a miserable game. They looked like they had no legs off of back-to-back, and that's really not been the calling card of this uh, Thibodeau team. They've been the one franchise that, you know, the load management has not been something they've even considered. They've played a lot. They've looked, you know, better conditioned than a lot of teams at a lot of times. But the Cavaliers wanted this game more. And early on, Mitchell comes out and was hitting threes. I think he hit his first five threes in this game. He was, uh, then he went on a terrible, uh, he was six for 15. So I, I th- I'm pretty sure at one point it was five for five. So he, he went one for 10 the rest of the way. But. He just hits the big shots. He outplayed them. Mobley played in this game. 
And ultimately, the problem with the Knicks right now is Julius Randle. They're 2-3. and three, They're 0-2 at home. And you knew the schedule was going to be tough for the Knicks starting. The first 10 games, they just did this. You know, they had three straight road games. They got the they got the Bucks on the road tomorrow night. The first ten was going to be a, a tough stretch for them, but I mean, just watching the team right now, look, it's it's early on in the season. I don't want to go crazy. We know that Randall has been a, a a good regular season player for the Knicks and been brutally bad in the postseason. But a lot of the things that have been his limitations and have been the problems for, with him for you know this team are showing its. It's are rearing their ugly head to start the year. He's missed foul shots. He's been terrible from behind the line. He's been careless with the basketball. And at times showed lack of effort in this game. He's been brutally bad. And I mean, the problem with this team fundamentally, not in just this game or what they could be for the regular season, when you watch him, when uh, unfortunately, when you watch him play in these big games and just knowing what he is and what this team is, he cannot be your best player, your second best player. Not if you want to win. Like we've we've established this, he is not capable of being that guy. And so ultimately, you know, to harken back to the giant conversation I just had, I want him to play well. I want the Knicks to have a good season. I want the Knicks to win fifty games. I want the Knicks to be the fourth seed in the NBA playoffs. Great. I know what they can do, and I know what they can't, and I'm reminded of it every time I watch Julius Randle. And it was it was on display, and it's been on display to start this season. And that's not necessarily, I you know, I mean, it's it's just the honest to god truth. Now that that's even, and he's played much better than I ever thought he could have played when he first came here. I mean, he was on his way out; he was signed to be traded, and then he had the remarkable second year. And he's been up, down, up, down, and his highs have been all NBA. And he's been the driving force of this team in many ways. And and then when you added Brunson to this team last year, they look like a different team. Even though they had a, a winning season where a better, seed, a better seed a couple years ago and they lost to the Hawks, you know they've been a better team once Brunson came here and changed the element and changed the dynamic of this team. But still, in many ways, despite the fact that Brunson is probably the leader of this team and the most important player, Ultimately, a lot of it is just this team will go as far as Julius Randle will take them, and we know how far that is. It's a four or five seed, and then he's a no-show in the postseason. He plays like he has the start of this year. Careless with the basketball, driving towards the middle, losing it on ridiculous passes, throwing it 90 miles an hour into stone hands, Robinson. I mean, it's just missing every big shot, missing clutch free throws. And that's what it's been to start the year. Eric and Ron Conkham, let's get to the phone calls real quick. 877-337-6666. 40 minutes to go. Anything you want to talk about? We've opened it up to everything. Let's start with the Giants here with Eric. What's up, Eric? What do you want to talk about? Morning, C-Mike. How are you doing? Good morning, well, buddy. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's actually a giant jet question here. So I'm curious. Given everything that happened yesterday you know, during the overnight you know, with the Raiders and everything, right? And you got Daniel Jones coming back and, and uh, you know, so what what do you what would you say would be a worse uh I wouldn't say scenario but uh, uh outcome I guess 
uh, between the two games, uh, the Jets and the Giants, if the if the rain if the I almost said Rangers, uh, they just won a World Series. Uh, if the Giants lose like a like a fourteen thirteen game to the Raiders, or if the Jets lose like a thirty five to seven game to the Chargers, it's worse for the Jets to lose. The Giants' season's already done. So I mean, ultimately, it's worse. Even 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 given all the chaos going on with with the it'll Raiders. be an emba- it's an embarrassing loss. The Giants should absolutely yeah. win this football game. But what means more? I'm talking about building the team and looking for like to to me. Yeah, I mean, listen, if 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 the offense well, looks well, terrible and Daniel Jones looks like he did early at the start of the year and he's running for his life and he's taking bad sacks and he's missing throws and he and the, the offense looks dreadful, that will be an an indictment on the Giants moving forward, which sucks. But the Jets are still chasing something. The Jets are a game over five hundred. Well, that, that's a different question, though. Yeah, the what it means more is, is separate. I'm just saying, as far as the the outlook, you know, uh, of of what we're you know what we're expecting from the teams. Because I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I'm a Jet fan. I you know, I, everyone knows that. That yeah, I mean, if, uh, if I mean, your I, point I, your I, point is that Herbert and the Chargers are a respectable football team, and losing to them seems plausible, while the Giants going out to a team that's absolutely blown it up in the middle of the morning on Wednesday morning and suddenly thrusted a linebacker's coach into head coach, starting a rookie quarterback and a franchise that's been terrible for two decades. Like which one is more like, should the, is which one's more unacceptable, acceptable? Like, yeah, I suppose losing to the Raiders is more embarrassing, but ultimately the giant season's dead. So it's well, more important for the jets to win this game. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I'm not phrasing it quite the way I want it uh, because the, obviously the way the jets have played against, Kansas City, uh, the Eagles, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, as far as the, the quarterback, you know, play for the other teams, they've held them somewhat yeah. in check. San Diego, we all know, you know, I mean, Herbert's a good quarterback, but, yes. you know, they, 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 they find ways to lose. Yes. To be he's been that. a bit, he's been a bit overrated and he, and he comes up small in big moments late in games, but he's, yeah. he is super yeah. talented. I mean, I personally, I, I wish he were on the Jets to be, sure. you know, they'd be far better. But, oh. <laughs> but, you know, so that's why I'm saying if they get the doors blown off, by San Diego, given their, you know, handicaps and everything uh, that that they have, uh, San Diego, then you know that's why I'm saying, you know, what is it is uh, aside from you know, needing the game, is it, would it look worse for the Jets losing in, in that case, you know, than than I mean, we know the Giants. Are, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, Eric, I, I'm not sure exactly what you're trying to get at. To be totally honest with you, what's what looks worse? I'm not sure why we care about that. Like, I, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, I kind of get the idea of what you're asking me. I'm not sure why that's a relevant question. Like, who cares what it? What are we talking about? What it looks like? If your point is that if all of a sudden, after having a good year defensively against good quarterbacks and feeling like you've built momentum and won three games in a row, including Philadelphia Eagles, who are undefeated and still have only had that one loss on their docket, to suddenly show up and have the defense look terrible against Herbert, who's a good quarterback, maybe even a great quarterback, but has his limitations and, and specifically doesn't win enough games for as good as he is. If suddenly this is the game the Jets' defense doesn't show up and gives up a bunch of points, how does it look? I don't know. It looks like they lost. It looks like they'd be back at 500 and and squander an opportunity to be to, to win a winnable game at home and squander an opportunity to take a step further into the AFC playoff picture instead of a step backwards. I don't know. And the the Giants, what, what would it look like if they lose a game to this team? It looks like they're a bad team. That's what it looks like at 2-6. and six. When I look at the schedule, it looks exactly like losing to the Raiders. 
So I'm, I'm not big on what it looks like. I'm big on what it is. And what it is would be a devastating loss for the Jets and a just a <laughs> go figure the Giants are awful like we knew we were loss for the Giants. It's a much bigger game for the Jets, but the Giants, I'm more interested in how they played, to be totally honest with you. Like, if the Giants have a bad game defensively or, you know, weird things happen, maybe a, a punt return for a touchdown, a blocked field goal for a touchdown, I don't know. If the Giants figure out a way to lose, but the offense looks pretty good, Daniel Jones for, throws for 250 yards and two touchdowns, and suddenly at least they look like a football team, but the Raiders get up with their new coach and play the best game of the year and figure out a way to beat the Giants, I won't even care that much. Because I want to see what Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and this offense can do. The, Jet, the Jets, you don't want to lose this game right now. You want to keep the momentum. You want to keep the pedal to the metal. I don't think Herbert is going to throw all over them. I think the Jets' defense is going to show up on Monday night. I do think it's going to be a close and tightly contested football game because I don't think the Jets' offense is capable of doing it any other way. And I don't think uh, Zach Wilson is capable of, of you know putting up offensive numbers to blow out the Chargers. So I think every game the Jets play will be some sort of low-scoring, hard-fought battle. But if it goes the other way, it's just a tough loss. I don't think it would be a major mark on the, the defense. They had a bad game. You'd have to come back to it next week and see what happens. But, I mean, we might scream about it for a week and go, this defense is supposed to be better than this. But ultimately, heading into next week, it wouldn't be like, oh, I've given up on the defense. Defense sucks. We don't, we don't still expect the Jets' defense to play well. It's a big game for them because they need to win home games if you want to be a playoff team. They just got back. They got to four and three. They played well for three weeks. They're playing a winnable game at home. They need to win it more than the Giants need to, you know, figure out a way to win a game against the lousy Raiders to be three and six. Your official station to talk Knicks. The Fan 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Four thirty-two. McBonagle here with the eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Another sad story that came out uh, yesterday uh, in the early evening. Uh, legendary basketball coach Bobby Knight uh, passed away at the age of eighty-three. Obviously, one of the great coaches in college basketball history. Uh, at Indiana, three-time champion, the perfect season. I was just watching. I, I know this is weird as a Nick fan, but I have to admit, whenever I'm whenever I'm bored on the couch and I can't sleep or whatever, and I just I I don't want to spend twenty minutes looking for what to watch, and I just want to put something on that I know I'll kind of get into a little bit and and will take my mind away and help me just relax. I have to admit, I watch the Jordan documentary a lot. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because, it, it, especially now during in basketball season, as it was getting started and everything, just that '90s era basketball where I, you know, I fell in love with the game. I don't know. I end up watching it a lot, and I was just watching the part where Bobby Knight talks about Michael Jordan because he was the uh, coach of that '84 Olympic team, and when he talks about just Jordan being the the best player he's ever coached, and you think of all the great players he ever, you know, Isaiah Thomas. And, just so many great players, and he was just uh, such a, a character and such a a force inside the game of college basketball. And uh, you know, obviously had his had his moments. Not everyone was a fan. 
would take his his aggression and his anger out in different ways. The famous clip of him throwing the chair. Uh, they're posting clips all day long about him, you know, seeing him screaming and yelling like that's that's who he was. But I mean, he's arguably the greatest. I mean, Coach K, Bobby Knight, John Wooden. I mean, you're talking about the one of, if not the greatest. Obviously, for me, his prime and you know, winning championships. His last championship was in 1987. He won championships in 76, 81, and 87. Been to five Final Four. Final Fours. I don't I don't remember those teams, obviously. I wasn't a, I wasn't really following college basketball in 1987, but I remember his last days at Indiana and then going to Texas Tech. And just the character he was and the cultural, you know, icon in many ways he was. So on a sad day. Uh, the passing of Bobby Knight. And I remember, you know, working for Mike, Bobby Knight was always a subject that would come up. Bobby would come on the show. Um, I saw Mike mention, you know, simply the greatest to ever do it in a in a tweet earlier today. One of the great college coaches of all time. One of the great, co- you know, coaching characters we've ever seen. And someone who really became synonymous with winning and intensity, for sure. So rest in peace, Bobby Knight. You'll be missed. 83 years old. 877-337-6666. Robbie and Lay Success. What's up, Robbie? Hey, buddy. Listen, uh, my favorite of all time, and my dad knew him personally, was uh, Dean Smith. But, yes, mm-hmm. I, I, being old, I get to know all these these people, and I saw them coach. And yeah. I mean, The quick story I want to just let you know that with Dean Smith, and it's a totally different. My dad uh, was over at Midwood back in the day in the 60s when Billy Cunningham was uh, recruited. And, and, and Dean Smith used to go to New York City. He got him out of Erasmus. I'm like, you know, my father was very close with the coach over there because they all knew each other. Mm-hmm. And they would go to the city, and Dean would say, "Listen, you got any ball players in New York City?" Because that's what, really New York City is where they, Dean Smith had to, he knew to come into New York and, and and grab the best ball players. And Billy Cunningham was the first one. But being old and seeing all these things, and you know, it's just basically part of my life. It's not that you know, you, I'm just older than you guys. Yeah. Now I, I haven't called in since the Giant came. Okay, I've been still. Yeah, I, I I thought of you once or twice, yeah. Robbie. Ugly, ugly game, ugly. but um, they blew it. They had them and they they gave it to them. Chris, they they choked on yeah. that game, and I will say it was the, one of the worst football games I have oh. attended in my life as yeah. far as the game. It's one of the worst but, played football games played I can ever remember. Yeah, it was I mean, terrible. but but I want to tell you something. Number one, about thirty percent Jet fans there. They were running out the door after Thibodeau made that sack, and mm-hmm. the defense played. So well, the Jets' defense was not fair than our defense. The Jets' offense, that's fair. I mean, definitely that's fair. The Giants' offense, offense was so inept and one-dimensional that it, it it was certainly easier to play defense against the Giants uh, than even it was against Zach Wilson-led Jet team. So yeah, the, you could argue the Giants' defense played better, but I mean, it, 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 equal at least equal. I will say that I mean, it doesn't we didn't matter. Get, it doesn't matter. But no. here's what I want to say: what I'm calling in on. Number one. Number one. I, and I have no basis for this. Number one, they kept Barkley. They only made one trade, a guy that wasn't part of our plan right now. Yeah. We, got, we gave, we would we give up like, a third pick from to the Jets a couple of years ago, four yes. years. We got two picks back. So we yep. basically no, it was a great, it was a great trade. It was a great, I wish, trade. I wish he would have made a couple more great ones, to be and, honest with you. But here's what my thought. I think we, you're going to think I'm crazy. You're going to think I'm nuts. Oh, we're no. two games out. Oh, of a, no. And I'm going to sound like Mr. Rara. 
Rob, we got to go game Robbie, by game. Robbie, don't do we're it. Robbie, don't do it. We're two games out of a playoff. Robbie. We, got, we kept our team. Robbie. We got, we're getting healthy. The defense is playing out of their mind. I think we're better than the Jets right now, believe it or not. Oh. I really do. Right. And they never, ever should have lost that game. And that's my opinion. I think they won the game. I think the clock right now, that's kind of silly now. I'm going to be beating a dead horse. Yeah. But number one. Robbie, they lost the game. Right, They're they two and the six. Game, they really, the, Don't do this to yourself, either. Robbie. Don't do it to yourself. I know. It's over. I, I, it's well, over. It's not over till it's, it's over. It, it's over. I, yeah, well, I, thanks, I, Yogi. I was just watching the Yogi documentary, too. Thank you for the call, Robbie. It's over. It's over. It's two and six. They, they, they're allowed one more loss. I mean, come on. It's over. It's over. And, and don't give me Daniel Jones. He played. He played. They lost. This is not new. Daniel Jones is not coming back for the first time this year. He was there when they lost 40 to nothing to the Cowboys. He was there when they got beat up by the San Francisco 49ers. He was there at home when they got embarrassed by the Seattle Seahawks. He was there. I'm sorry. The Giants stink. The season's over. Don't do it to yourself. Did they have an opportunity to beat Buffalo? Absolutely. Did they have the Jets beat? Yes, they did. Is the season different at 4-4? Four and four? You bet your ass it is. It's not. It's 2-6. and six. And it's 2-6 and six because they found ways to lose. We're right back to it. The number one thing about all those teams, the Joe Judge teams, the Ben McAdoo teams, even the Pat Shermer teams, they found ways to lose. Whether it's, whether it's Evan Ingram dropping a pass right in his hands against Philadelphia. Whatever the case may be, they found ways to lose games. For years. And finally, last year, they found ways to win games. And it was the best part of the season because it felt like they were well coached. And now they're right back into finding ways to lose games. It's, it's damn near impossible to lose that game against the Jets. Impossible. And yet here we are, 2-6, and six, and the season's over. And I'm hoping they play well. I'm not, re- I'm not a tanker. I don't like to tank. I'm not looking to tank. I want to win games. I wanted to trade Saquon Barkley because I want to draft assets moving forward, but I don't want to lose these games. I want to win. I want Daniel Jones to prove to me he's worth $40 million. I want Saquon Barkley to prove to me they're better off keeping him than trading him for a second-round pick. I want this offense to prove to me that touchdowns can actually be scored if you wear a giant uniform. And I understand now you're going to have to deal with the idea of uh, Waller being hurt again, a big shocker. Traded, you know, you trade for a guy with hamstring injuries when he has them. You can't really complain, can you? I know you Yankee fans feel that way. You you get injury prone players and they get injured. It's on the GM, right? It's on the Giants for picking up Waller. He can't run. He can't run six weeks without hurting his hamstring. And now it's going to be multiple weeks without Waller. But it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is uh, he would. It like to actually get this offense going, and he's a part of it. But ultimately, season's done, Robbie. Don't do it to yourself. Don't give me this two games out crap. Two games out. What, are you kidding me? They got two wins two games out. They still got to play the Cowboys. They've got winnable games, but you think they're going to win them all? Seattle was a winnable game. How'd that go? Sick and tired of it, guys. I'm sick and tired of it. I can't do this game with you. I can't be delusional with you. I can't. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Snaps is low. Kick on its way. It's got the distance, and it is good. And Lawrence 
Six times he's done it again. He's kicked the Giants to the second Super Bowl in four years. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Uh, it's one of those things, you don't change the channel on the TV. Like, I'm sitting here, there's nothing to watch at 3 o'clock in the morning anyway. So I've been watching Emeril, the chef, Emeril Lagasse, you know, pedal this air fryer over and over again. I've been watching him scoop the same homemade peach pie cobbler thing onto a plate and put ice cream on top of it. I've seen it 10 times. And here's my question watching it. I'm watching this thing. He's selling a, an air fryer. Now, it looks like a mini oven compared to some of the, like, my air fryer is like a, a bowl with, like, a handle. You pull out the thing. You put whatever you want in the basket. You put the thing back in. You push the buttons. There's an air fryer. He's selling one right now that looks more like a conventional, like, toaster oven. What is the difference between an air fryer and an oven? Is there a difference? Is an air fryer just, like, an oven that's more compatible that you could put on your counter and it'll just, it'll do ovens work in shorter time because it's in a smaller space or does it actually do something different than an oven? Because like I'm watching this thing and I'm like, all right, that's cool and all, but like, oh wow, crispy French fries. I could put French fries in the oven. They come out crispy. I guess it's just shortening time of an oven or is it an air fryer that's actually doing some frying or doing something different? I don't know. But all I know is I've seen Emeril Lagasse do the same things with an air fryer 13 times over the last two hours, and I don't change the channel. And I hate myself for it. And I'm going to envision Emeril Lagasse making, you know, three salmon or pulling out a roast chicken out of this thing. I'm going to have it ingrained in my brain. And it's my own fault. It's my own fault. I got to put something else on here. I got to come up with a plan to have something other than this crap. Oh, look, he's making the pancakes in a sheet pan again, hun. Come take a look. Oh, blueberries. How'd I know? And an omelet and another one. With spinach and tomatoes. And you put them both in together, one side on one. And you got this very convenient metal thing in the middle that keeps it separate. You can even put your sausages on a little bit of a griddle. So you get those grill marks that everybody loves. Amazing. John and Bushwick. What's up, John? What's up, Chris? Uh, I actually have one of those air fryers you're talking about that's also an oven. And uh, I freaking love that thing. Man. But what's uh, Listen, it, and I love the air fryer. I use it constantly. But, what's, but what it is has, it? It just has different settings. There's an air fryer setting. There's a bake setting. Yeah, but what's it? All right, so air fryer setting. What's the difference between the air fryer fryer setting and just an oven? I, well, I you it's exactly it, it, exactly, John. Fast. You have no, no idea. No, nor the, does anybody. They the just said it's air frying, and we said, oh, okay, stuff. it's air frying. It's and an oven. Use the air fryer to air fry stuff. But like, what's air fry? If you, if you have day old French fries, right? Yeah, you're gonna air fry them so they taste like. When they came out of the fryer. Well, what what, now, what would happen if you put them, them in the oven? I don't know. You don't. You think so? Yeah. No, I'm telling you. It's amazing we live in a world where you can reheat fries, but we can't accomplish world peace. Like we did it. You can reheat well, fries. Well, don't you think that's easier than world peace? Yeah. 
All right, so let me let me get to. Let Typically, me get to, when people those, use those examples, they say it's amazing that we do something as difficult as walk get walk on the moon, but can't cure the common cold. They don't typically say it's amazing we can toast up French fries, but we can't figure out peace in the Middle East. Like, listen, yeah, I mean, I would think I would think the French fries are an easier objective. No, I grew up microwaving fries and they tasted like crap. I, I understand that air fried fries. It's incredible. All right, All right I want to talk about We're wasting rapid those fire. goddamn jets. Yeah, and put it uh, put it again. He said it like six times. So. We're gonna go rapid fire. I'm sorry, Tony in Staten Island. What's up, Tony? Hey, how you doing there, Chris? Good, how are you? Good show. Thank hey, you. I, we talked the other day. I was one of your last callers. I said, have you ever seen a worse coach than Josh McDaniel? And you said no, and here you have it. They'll never get another head coaching job again. Does it worry you as a Giant fan, Antonio Pierce taking over the Raiders, and you know how it is when you change Everything worries there. me. Everything worries me. It's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. One, and thank you for the call, Rapid Fire. I appreciate it. Um, it's one, it's the idea, like it, it, to me, it's either way. My initial thought last night, now I'm rethinking it. Cause I rethink everything I do. Cause I'm neurotic. But last, my initial thought was they're firing a coach in the middle of the night on Tuesday. They're going to have a new coach. Oh my God. It's the linebacker coach. First of all, my initial thought is how does Patrick Graham as a defensive coordinator feel that his, that the guy he was, you know, in charge of the linebacker coach suddenly jumps him in his head coach. Like, does that impact the defense in any way? It's still a, a coaching change on a Wednesday for a, for a Sunday game. Uh, the team is just an absolute disaster and joke. My initial thought is now they're starting a rookie quarterback. My initial thought is this is good for the giants, but now you're right. The more I think about it, the more I try and, you know, the idea they were a dead team that was miserable under a bad head coach, and now maybe there's some enthusiasm and some idea of trying to go out there and prove that it was the coach and not the players. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, the idea that it's Antonio Pierce, it, it's the, 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 the whole nature of it and the idea of the, the poetry of it and the, the kind of nature that, wow, what a, what a story it is that he comes in, he makes his first – Head coaching victory against the team he won a Super Bowl with? Yeah. Not, I don't like any of it. I don't like any of it. But namely, I really don't like the, the matters. The win doesn't matter. That's what I don't like. Maury and Belmore. What's up, Maury? I don't know. I got three quick things. Number one, the Giants. Start Number Danny one. DeVito. Start Danny DeVito. We're better off. Uh, and then have, it is your uh, night, bro. Uh, Danny, Dimes, Danny Dimes is a backup. Number one. Number two, uh, you talked about the Knicks. I'm tired of this guy. Do something. I can't go through another year with Randall. I, I can't do it no more. And then, well, I mean, most of the about, time he's really good in the regular season. I, I mean, know, last I year I, nobody was saying that until they got to the postseason. I mean, yeah, you know the maybe limitations. Maybe a slow start. And I love Bob Knight, but listen to this. You ready? Yeah. Uh, here's the roster for the 1994 team: Leitner, Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Larry Bird, Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan. Clyde Drexler, I mean, come on. That's the 92 team. That that's that's 92? the 92? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, 92 team. But yeah, but I don't I think, he, was, I don't think he, was the, he wasn't the coach of the dream team. He was the coach of the 84 Olympic team that had Michael Jordan as an amateur before he ever played in the NBA. What's his name? The former coach of the Detroit Pistons was the dream team coach, no? Are you sure? The head, the head coach, Chuck, Chuck Daly, yeah, not Coach K. Chuck Daly was the head coach of the dream team in 92. And yeah, you're right. It didn't matter who the coach was. I'm talking about in, in, in 1984 when he was the head coach of the Olympic team for, I don't know who else was on the team. I was watching the documentary, but Jordan 
was the, and he told a great a great story about a game they played in Spain. I just saw Bob a bunch of stuff Bob Knight and he talks about that 84 team. And in the clip he says he's like when you list the greatest comp- the the handful of greatest competitors I ever coached Jordan's right there at the top of the list. When you list the greatest uh, athletes I've ever coached. He's right there at the top of the list. When you talk about the greatest skilled players I've ever coached, he's right there at the top of the list. He's like, all of that makes me pretty sure that Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. And then there was a, I mean, so he's he's talking about it in 1984 before he's even drafted, uh, right before he's drafted. And then, or right, I don't know if it's before he drafted, it's before he played, whatever the case, before he played in the NBA. I think it's after he drafted, but it doesn't matter. And then, um, he uh, what was I just gonna say? He was talking about um, a game in Spain too that he had a, he had a great story with. But Mitchell and Fort Lee, I had something else. I lost it. I apologize. Mitchell and Fort Lee, what's up? Hey, Big Mac. A few things. Number one, I have an extra ticket. If you want to join me Monday night for that, the great Jets versus the Chargers game, if you want to go and then go right to work for that, that's your option. Then that's number one. It's been a, we have a great tailgate. So if you want to come, you know how to get my number. You can join the. Okay, cool. Sounds good, one. man. What do you got? Real quick. Okay. I want okay, to get you Okay, number two, with the, with the Yankees. If, 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 if the Yankees want to make their fans happy, and you've said it for, for the last two days, there's only, I want Soto. Give, give up whatever you got to give up. Get him, yep. sign him, get him, give him, give him the contract. Yep. We lost Harper back then. And I have to tell you this, you put, Har- you put Soto there with Judge, and, he, and, he, and you go get a left fielder and get one other pitcher, you, you're, you're right back into the mix of the championship. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and, but, but, and they need a lefty bat. And if you want to really go a step further, go get someone else to play first base, fine. But that's what the Yankees need. Yeah, that's why I, do that. I'm, I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable with the idea of Bellinger. Get Soto, get Bellinger, get Yamamoto. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Good Lord, it's a lot of money. But that's what you got to do. And I like Bellinger because he can play first base too. What I was going to say was the story I forgot about Bob Knight was I just saw the quote. Uh, the Blazers were talking to him. I um, the uh, were talking to him about needing a center at the top of the draft when they were talking about Jordan, and they said he said you got to take Jordan. He's the best player. And they were said I don't know. I need a center. And Bob Knight told him then play him at center. <laughs> and he was right. Obviously Jordan was the the best ever. Why I I don't know why I get such a kick out of the documentary. I guess it just reminds me of my childhood. The, those. Those early '90s Knicks and the NBA back then was as big as like right now. My you know the Yankees are my thing. I, I, I make no misconception about it. They're my favorite team. Baseball is my favorite sport. I live and die with the Yankees more than any other team. I'm a huge Giant fan. I'm a, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Rangers fan. I live and die with the Yankees. When I was a kid, it was the Knicks. Well, I mean the, the Yankees weren't very good yet in the early '90s, '92 to '94. It was the Knicks. '92 to '95 in particular. Once the Yankees started winning championships, then, you know, you grow up a 90s Yankee fan. It started to change, obviously. They're winning every single year, and Derek Jeter was the, the greatest thing to ever happen to me. But, I mean, I Oakley was I, – I, I loved Oakley with a passion. I mean, I, I love that team. And even though they're not necessarily heavily portrayed in that documentary, it's not about them – Jordan represents that era, and that era of 90s basketball is just, it's like comfort for me. I don't know why. I love watching it. And to listen to, you know, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson just talk about Jordan as like, hey, it was, you know, we knew. It was different. He talks about that 64-point performance he puts on in the garden against the 86 Celtics, and Larry Bird has a great quote in the in the documentary. He says, he said, that, was, that wasn't Michael Jordan playing. That was God disguised as Jordan. 
I don't know why I like that documentary so much, but it, it, when I thought about Bob Knight, I thought about that comment. I was just watching it yesterday. That's it for me. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. These three hours go by so fast. I'll see you tomorrow again for Football Friday, 2 a.m. We'll go around the league, talk about the Giants. We'll talk about the Jets, obviously, who play Monday. We'll have some fun. We'll get it all in. Fleegs, you with us? He's with us. I, th- I think Marco's with us. The whole gang might be back together. We've done really well with the picks. You're going to want to listen to it. Trust me. Everybody enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy Thursday night football. We'll talk about that tomorrow, and we'll have some fun. Everybody have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day. The warm-up show is next. I'm out of here. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.